0: Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500, Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel.
1: Yeah, I've looked at Daniel and you know once the new staff gets in here we're going to get together offense coordinator head coach the entire staff dive into the film as a group and look at what Daniel does best and we're going to try to you know allow him to put his best foot forward so again I've looked at him I know there's been you know I wasn't here in the past so I don't exactly know you know what he was told to do but I do know this I know he's a great kid he's been in this building the last two days I've, I've talked to him there's not anybody in this building that said a bad word about his work ethic, passion, you know, desire to win. And I think you got to have those traits as a quarterback. And the kid has physical ability. You know, he's got arm strength. He's athletic. He can run. So I'm really getting, I'm really excited to work with Daniel. And again, when the new staff gets in here, we'll build an offense around Daniel to accentuate what he does best.
0: I want Joe and the uh, new head coach to make that evaluation. We do feel that Daniel can play. Um, you know. We've done everything possible to
1: to, to screw this kid up uh, since he's been here. We keep changing coaches, keep changing offensive coordinators, keep changing offensive line coaches. You know, I take a lot of responsibility for that. But let's bring in the right group of coaches now, and and give him some continuity, and try to rebuild the offensive line, and then be able to make a, an intelligent.
0: Uh, Uh, evaluation of of whether he can be the franchise quarterback or not I have a lot of hope uh, in in Daniel I know how badly he wants it I know how the players feel about him so uh, we are certainly not giving up on him
1: this suit season in the NFL for the teams making new hires when those new hires show up with a suit with a tie And it's always good news when the suit properly fits for a New York hire. Hopefully the suit will fit the new head coach as well. But, (laughs) yeah, it's funny. We get back to the same rhythms and the same moments. I got no problem with the new GM wearing the suit for the press conference because every time we see a GM at a game in the luxury suite, that suit, that's the game day uniform. The game day uniform for the coach isn't a suit. It's so weird. They look so uncomfortable At that introductory press conference, wearing a suit. Remember Adam Gase with the Jets? It was the last. He he was like a kid that was forced to wear a suit to church on Easter. Like, get me out of this thing. But uh, Joe Shane, that's what. Get used to seeing Joe Shane in a suit as the GM of the New York Giants. And uh, now they they set about uh, getting a coach and addressing the quarterback position. But it sounds like price of admission to be the coach is to sign on. To Danny Dimes sticking around, it sounds like they're willing to continue to work and work and work to try to get something out of their first-round pick from 2019.
2: It, it does sound like that, Mike. I think you've heard me, you know, echo these sentiments a little bit. Uh, th- that uh, he has loved, Daniel Jones, within the organization throughout. Everybody loves what Daniel Jones brings to the table, so he's got that working for him in, in, in his favor there. You know, the work ethic. There is talent. You know, he's got size, he's smart as hell, you know, he's a good leader and selfless that way. You know, I know it's not perfect and there's still the fumbles and a little bit of that's going on. But Mike, I mean, how many times have we discussed this year or, or you've heard me bring up and go, well, how do you really know what Daniel Jones is? That, that's what I want to say. You know, That's what I, I say to people on talk radio. I understand us questioning it, but... I don't look at it as a situation to where I just go, oh, I've seen enough. we got to throw them overboard and go somewhere else. No, I've seen some spots where I go, damn, like you know, we're showing highlights of the Saints game where I go, big runs, big throws, phenomenal football. You know, again, at the end of the day, like I go back to one of my old sayings: When you're around crap, man, you're gonna smell like crap and get some on you every now and then. And it's just hard. It's hard. How do you? New coaches, new system. Oh, another offense. Damn, I just got out of college. I'm doing this. What? We can't protect anybody. What? We have the worst offense in football ever since. I mean, offensive line in football ever since I became the quarterback. I mean, the worst. It's not even to the point where I feel bad for all of the coordinators who had to work there. Because it's like, what do you want them to do? There's a part of the playbook they can't even dive into because the O-line can't do it. So that's where I think the Mara, you know, John Mara, the Mara family, you know, uh, the new GM, everybody. I think they're going to realize that when they break down film a lot of the times. And they're going to look at it and go, well... Damn, I don't know. I mean, if we had Aaron Rodgers, I don't know if things would have been a whole lot different. It's hard to succeed here right now. And I don't think they're going to you know, be too quick to, to throw him overboard. They invested a lot in him. He's a top-ten pick, and there's a lot of qualities they like. So I understand them kind of going forward here and giving it one more year. You know, I think this will be it, don't you? Do you think this will be it where they, they'll go, okay, we got enough pieces around you here, and now this new new generation of coaches or head coach and, and the GM will be able to evaluate it for what it is one more year and see if Daniel Jones can prove himself.
1: Hey Chris, it may be one more year, but the reality is when you listen to what was said yesterday by GM and owner, it sure sounds like they're gonna pick up that option in May, which ties them fully guaranteed
2: why to another year man
1: it it just it's but but because you gotta agree with that hang on but hang on hang on it it just when you think of messaging and pr when you come out as strong as you came out for daniel jones yesterday it creates an expectation that it's not just one year and if you don't pick up the option it looks like what you said yesterday was bullcrap because if you really believe in the guy, you're not going to pass on the opportunity to lock him up for one more year. They, they better be ready to have a good explanation of why they didn't pick up the option for Daniel Jones. they got to harmonize it with what they said yesterday. And, and PR and messaging is a huge part of what these teams do.
2: It is, 100%. And you're and right, it's a delicate situation. But, man, to me, the risk-reward... It's just not worth it. I mean, you want your ass to get burned. I mean, that's a good way to do it. Let's let's commit to a quarterback we're not totally sure about two years down the road and plus $20 million for him. I mean, damn, that'll put your team in a but tough they spot. Sure But they You're sounded sure yesterday, but right. they sounded
1: sure that's the problem. Well, I would think
2: that they can sell this to the fan base of, hey, we've been crappy. We haven't helped the guy. There's things we like. And we want – we're rooting for Daniel Jones to be the future here. We want him to be. But we got to see what it looks like first – here with, you know, a little support around them. And I think the Giants fan base can get around that. I think the Giants fan base would be more disappointed if they went on and gave the fifth-year option. I think that's where they'd go, oh, man, here we go. You know, the Maras are running the organization, blah, 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 blah. I think that'll piss more Giants fans off than anything. So I do think there's some wiggle room here for them to kind of play both ends and the Giant fan and fan base kind of get behind it.
1: Well, you know, there was an opportunity yesterday to create the appearance that the Maras aren't running the organization, and that would have been for John after the press conference, because he wasn't up there at the podium. It would have been for John to say, today's about Joe. Joe's our general manager. I'll talk to you at some point down the road. I, I said that yesterday on PFTPM, and I've slept on it, and I believe it. If you want to create the impression that your fingerprints aren't all over everything, if that's part of what you're trying to do, yesterday isn't a day for the owner to talk. Yesterday's a day for the GM to run the show and let everybody know there's a new sheriff in town, and it's me. And uh, look at what, Ma- what Mara said about Deshaun Watson kind of upstaged what Joe Shane said about anything Yeah, when he comes out and says, we're off the table for Deshaun Watson because of the sexual assault allegations. Oh, and salary cap. And I, that's one of my pet peeves. Look, if you want to make the salary cap work, you can make it work. Deshaun Watson's contract could easily be absorbed and restructured. They could, if they want to, they could get him. Salary cap's not the reason. The reason is, as we've said before, you don't want the back pages of the tabloids. Can you imagine? We said this within the past two weeks. Can you imagine how the media in New York would react to the arrival of Deshaun Watson, that's the reason why he's not going to be their quarterback.
2: Oh, I, exactly right. I mean, the Giants got enough going on. You know, the, 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 and, and and we talked about I think when we had this conversation last week. You know, they they had the off the field issue with the kicker that certainly didn't look good on the on the organization. But yeah, you're you're in danger of being you know a, a walking meme up here in the New York area or on the Daily News and you know the New York Post with. Uh, you know every headline in the world that's creative that goes around a masseuse or a massage parlor. I mean that's where yeah that's not that's where some teams aren't going to want to deal with that. Let alone you know there's still legal issues unresolved. But there I think he had to make this statement because there's too much talk up here about it. There is. Talk radio, the sports pages up here, it's been too much Deshaun Watson. Would he come here? Maybe they'll make a play. I feel like ever since Brian Flores got in in, in the conversation as far as being the head coach, that became a little bit of a jump-off spot here for the Giants fans in New York. And I think that's why he made that comment, to just squash it right now, get it over with. I mean, you're right. If they wanted to fit him in the salary cap, they certainly could. It's the other stuff that most teams are not going to want to deal with, and I don't think the Giants, are as traditional as they are, uh, are going to want to deal with that right now either.
1: So, just to put a button on this, you're advocating that basically they take the Mitchell Trubisky approach the Bears took, where we consciously, deliberately don't pick up the option, and if he has a great fourth year, good problem to have in 2023, franchise tag, not all that much more than the fifth-year option. If we have to sign him to a contract, we will. Right. We're just not ready to make a $20 million financial commitment until we see some progress. It's, it's still not going to be an easy explanation. No, you're explanation. right. And, and I remember when the Bears did it, they hoped that people in the media would figure out and do it for them. I think this is one where, front and center, they need to explain it because they need to harmonize that decision with what they said yesterday, or you're going to have people in the fan base who are very confused, saying they said all these great things about Daniel Jones, but he's only on the team for one more year? I don't understand.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a dicey situation. But I I, I do, again, I think the Giant fan can realize, you know, what the situation is, definitely. And I think the Giants can explain it to go, we've got a lot of qualities we like here. We're not sold that he's not the guy. In fact, we have more qualities that lead us to believe he's closer to what Phil Simpson and Eli Manning than you know being some guy who couldn't play quarterback here in New York. And I think that's where they're at a little bit. So they'll have to take it on the chin to a degree, but I also think they know the animal in which they're dealing with in Daniel Jones too, and that he is a team guy and he's selfless and that he can also – understand the business the optics of the situation and not be too disturbed or annoyed that his fifth year option wasn't you know picked up I do think that he's smart enough to realize the the totality of what's going on here and I think that's why you can get away with it if you're the New York Giants
1: and I think two other names to mention real quickly as it relates to other quarterbacks. One, they don't want to get themselves into a Ryan Tannehill situation where Daniel Jones goes somewhere else and becomes yes. a pretty damn good player. Right. And two, two. it's inescapable. The idea that I think the Giants believe that with the right supporting cast, maybe, just maybe, Daniel Jones can give us a little Josh Allen type of play I hear we've you. seen how he can run he can run we've seen what he can do if you give him the opportunity to grow it could be year three of Josh Allen in year four of Daniel Jones and I think that's what they want to try to harvest and that's what they want to try to engineer
2: yeah I don't think you're crazy for that the, one of the things I've always heard from the coaching staffs there is like a little bit of like hey he's it's, it's Tom Brady who's a good athlete. He can go. He makes – he's really smart and he can read things. But if we got to run read option or he gets out of the pocket, he can turn the corner and run for a 40-yard gain. I mean, again, this is a special athlete running the football and was a weapon for them because they couldn't run the ball the traditional way, so they had to open up the run game by giving the ball to Daniel Jones. And, man, come on. Over the last two years, right, Mike? I, again, correct me if I'm wrong – I mean, obviously, Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen are the two best runners in the sport. Kyler Murray, I think I'm going to put third now. Um, But uh, Daniel Jones is probably getting close to the next guy up on that list. We haven't seen too many other quarterbacks run for 40- and 50-yard gains more than Daniel Jones. Maybe I'm forgetting somebody out there, but I think he is towards the top of the NFL as far as that department's concerned.
1: He doesn't do it often, but when he does it, it's very memorable. It's very effective. Except when the 15-yard line, <laughs> the turf monster, up to drag it down to the, to the ground. Let's take a break. When we return, the Jaguars are reportedly close to doing a deal with Byron Leftwich. Unless they aren't, will they screw this up? We'll take a bit of a deep dive, not too deep, deep enough into the Jaguars' search for a head coach. When PFT Live continues right after.
0: There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full-body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies.
1: All right, there's your list of the head coaching vacancies. One finally filled. 18 days after the end of the regular season, Denver Broncos have hired Nathaniel Hackett. Eight to go. Yesterday, it looked like the Jaguars were going to be the first ones to do it. Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times has done some great recording this season, and anything that he says, I am going to trust. And he reported yesterday that the Jaguars were finalizing a deal with Tampa Bay Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich to become the next coach of the Jaguars. And Stroud covers the Bucks. You don't need many steps in the connect the dots to realize he's probably plugged in with Leftwich or someone close to Leftwich as to what's going on. He's not going to report it if he doesn't believe it 100%. Then comes the Shefty bomb. The Shefty tweet That the Jaguars have not made any decisions. They haven't finalized anything. They're still talking to Matt Eberflus and Byron Leftwich. Chris, to me, and look, I was I was even more over the top about this yesterday on PFTPM. I know how the game goes. I've been doing it twenty years now. Rick Stroud is accurate in what he's reporting. A hundred percent. The Jaguars are trying to leverage Byron Leftwich, so they activate Shefty, who will copy and paste the text from whoever from the Jaguars sent it to him and tweet it as a favor to the Jaguars so they will let him know five minutes before they announce the hire of whoever they hire who it is so he can say to his bosses or future employers, I broke the news of the Jaguars head coaching hire. That's the game. That's his favor trading. That's how it works. If you haven't figured that out by now, you're not paying attention. And that's exactly, in my opinion, what's going on here. So what it tells me is the Jaguars are screwing around with Byron Lefwich. the Jaguars are trying to pinch pennies. They're trying to nickel and dime. They're trying to get some contractual advantage, right? They're trying to, they're trying to do the best possible deal they can. At a certain point, you got to say, look, we have a very valuable asset in Trevor Lawrence. Our main objective is to get the best coach we can to get the most out of this guy. And if this is what the market requires, that's what the market requires. That's right. khan has got a super yacht. I said this yesterday, and I'm not one of these tax the rich people, but I look at it this way. If you can afford a super yacht and the weekly cost of maintaining the super yacht, you can pay something close to market value for a head coach. And if you screw it up trying trying to mess around, I said a different term yesterday. I haven't gotten in trouble for it yet. I haven't gotten in trouble for it yet. I still may. I did say something I shouldn't have said yesterday. I love it. I'm not going to say it again. But if you mess around with Byron Leftwich and it falls apart, you get what you deserve, Shad Khan. So what? Why? Why are you doing this? You know why? Because dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. And the mere fact, the mere fact that they weren't able to land this plane yesterday is evidence of dysfunction.
2: It looks like that to me. Again, I don't have a lot of inside knowledge here, but I will echo what, what you said to start off. Rick Stroud is as good as it comes f- covering football teams in the NFL know Rick very well for my years in Tampa. He's professional. He never burns anybody. He's getting it from either somebody in Byron Leftwich's camp or Bruce Arians' camp who knows exactly what Byron left. He's getting it from somebody from the source itself. I mean, it, it's so he didn't, like, put out false information. No way. It totally has the optics of we're trying to squeeze you for something. Why? I go, I'm with you. Like, what the hell are you doing? Your number one pick, Trevor Lawrence, w- the last 10 games of the year, and nine of them looked like absolute crap. I mean crap. Other than the last game of the year, he ended off on a good note. But, like, concerning. You got a guy like which who played in the NFL, has worked under somewhat of a – I mean, not somewhat, a quarterback whisperer, period. Bruce Arians, I mean, Brady, Rothelsberger, Peyton Manning – you know offensive genius with what he does that on that side of the ball to me it's like a slam dunk oh and Byron Leffich also knows what it's like to be here in Jacksonville and be a part of the organization there's too many things that are good I, I, Mike here's the thing that jumps to my mind that right away and, and and again you correct me if I'm wrong I really think the Matt rule contract has messed up some of this situation. The Matt Rule contract and the fact that he came from college and hadn't done jack diddly squat in the NFL and got $9 million a year. Now I think that's up the mark to where guys like Byron Leffridge are like, well, I've been around the NFL and I've actually done more in the NFL than Matt Rule. And uh, you, you got to give me something respectable or close. Or, and, and to me, that's where I wonder. But I'm with you. Like, why pinch pennies in a crucial situation like this?
1: Matt Rule is the easiest one to point to when you consider what David Tepper paid him two years ago. And everybody was kind of like, holy crap. Yeah. Well, and and sometimes sometimes a deal, what happens is when a new trend arrives, the first deal looks so wacky that the response by everyone else who doesn't want to pay a similar value to coaches as good, if not better, if not much better than the one that got the crazy, oh, that's nuts contract, The reality is that's the way the wind's blowing. It is, And if you don't go in that direction, you're going to get burned and you're going to lose that coach that you want to get. So it's not just Matt Rule. It's what's going on in college. It's what's going on with the NFL and all the money that's falling out of the sky from the gambling reality. Everything's changing. The tide is rising for everyone, for everyone connected to the sport, So the people who are producing, the people who are coaching, the people who are providing the things that become attractive for the sponsors and the gambling companies, they got to get paid too. So it's that simple. It's that simple. It's changed. And the owners, the oligarchs, have managed for 50 years. We said this earlier in the week with Sean Payton. Yeah. They have managed to keep the coaching salaries down down they have managed to commit what i would suspect if anyone ever filed the lawsuit and did the discovery they would find evidence of an antitrust violation i believe where these 32 distinct businesses have come together and loosely unofficially wink nod have set the price they've held the market down look no farther than the fact that bill belichick gets between 20 to 25 million per year as the highest paid coach in the NFL and Jared Goff gets 33 and per year as a 25 to 32 starting quarterback. Who would you rather pay 33 and a half million to who deserves 33 and a a year, Belichick or Goff? They've managed to keep the head coaching salaries down. I think that's one of the reasons why Sean Payton walked. Sean Payton knows, as I said yesterday, Tony Romo is making 20 million a year from CBS. Pat McAfee making 30 million a year from FanDuel. Holy crap that that that's where they're re- willing to recognize and pay because they understand the NFL oh, we will continue to do it our way. And if Shad Khan's fallen into this trap, if he's not willing to pay Byron Leftwich market value and this blows up, he can go sit on the back of his super yacht and twist on the end of his mustache and wonder what the hell happened. Uh,
2: I hear you. I, I, mean, I hear you all the way. Uh, and, and you're right. I think the market is correcting itself. It is ridiculous with the, some of the salaries with NFL head coaches, 100%. And to that point, too, I don't think any of the NFL head coaches are making what we really think. You know, the ones that at least have some established, you know, uh, some establishment within their organization. All of them are making a little bit more than what we think. All of them. They are. You know, I know it's on paper. It might be this if they get fired. Okay, it might be this number that they guaranteed get, but they're getting more money than what we think. There's if you think they're making seven million, they're probably making ten and getting paid by an outside business or off the book some way to where the NFL doesn't know it. I think that's going on throughout the NFL with coaches that at least have you know planted their feet within an organization that's another aspect as well and but chris you're right. chris the, i'm sorry to interrupt yeah it.
1: i had there are people there are people who are part of the establishment yeah who will aggressively push back against that that just shows you how desperate they are to maintain this ruse that the, here's where no these are the actual numbers that's hey BS. byron Leftwich. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Bill Belichick isn't making $25 million a year. Sean Payton wasn't making more than $15 million a year. Pete Carroll's not making more. Here's the official numbers. Here are the, this is what we're working off. Bull, you know what. Yeah, and it's all, what it and is. And they've managed to pull it off. Here's why. No one's ever going to sue him for it. No one's ever going to trade his career as a coach to go against them when it comes to collusion, just no. like no one's ever going to sue them, no one's ever going to sue them over the over the the reason the Rooney Rules in place. The Rooney Rules in place because they got a little scared maybe they'd get sued 20 years ago. No one's ever going to sue them for hiring practices when it comes to racial bias. No one's ever going to do it because they're not going to trade in their career for no. it because that's what you'd have to do. You're done. You're you're calling Ka- I'm sorry. Uh, uh, people are going to get triggered. I don't care. You calling Kaepernick yourself. If you file that lawsuit, you're done. You it's definitely over. do. You do. Bye-bye. No doubt. Go get another job somewhere else. You're not working in the NFL anymore.
2: No, 100%. It's wrong. It's wrong, it but that's wrong. exactly what would happen. No, I mean, I had people in the NFL PA telling me I should sue the Bucks when I lost my spleen. You know why I didn't do it? Because I was afraid I was going to piss off other teams that might want to employ me at some point. I mean, period.
1: Antonio Brown's never getting back in. All this, this stupid-ass saber-rattling over a defamation lawsuit against the Buccaneers, and it's ridiculous, and it's about, I believe, in my opinion, I don't want to get sued, yeah. in my opinion, this is a lawyer who sees an opportunity to latch himself to somebody who is going to get media attention so he can go on TV, and can go here and go there, and he can boost his own profile and practice. The, the mere no. talk of this You're right. is the, the final nail in a coffin riddled with nails that Antonio Brown continues to bust his way out of because he's a good player, yeah. this is the nail that's going to keep it, it from happening again. I'm with again. you. He
2: can do all the dumb off-the-field stuff, and he won. He's, he's going to get on a football team. Now he's going to sue an organization in the NFL? Eh, eh, blacklisted. Bye-bye. See you later. And come on, collusion in the NFL? I mean, of course it's going on. It's ridiculous. Nobody seems to care. I mean, but I always point back to the uncapped year of what was that, 2011 or 2012? 10. And un- ten-, 10. 2010. Uncapped year. Teams, you can spend whatever you want. And what happened? Dallas and Washington spent whatever they want. And the NFL went, that's against the rules. We didn't agree with that behind that closed-door meeting. How dare you do that and spend all that money and make us all look ridiculous? And what happened the next year? They penalized those teams for doing something they were supposed to do. So if that isn't collusion, then I don't know what the hell is. And, of course, it's going on in the
3: NFL.
1: Quick reminder, we will be going to Los Angeles in a week and a half. Whether we actually gain access to the NFL-controlled media center or to, you know, SoFi Stadium for the Super Bowl, that that may be undecided right now based upon the last five minutes, Chris. We may have to have have a make good here at some point to get back in the good graces. I love the NFL. Listen, listen, this is who we are. This is what we do. We're going to give you the truth. And if it makes some people uncomfortable, well, that's their problem. That's not our problem. we got to take a break. When we return, we're going to preview Championship Weekend with some prop bets. We'll do that next here on PFT Live.
3: I think Debo right now is playing like one of the best players in the NFL. Um, so just to be able to do what he's doing, um, he's obviously talented, but um, the will that he has, it's, it's unbelievable. And, I mean – D- Debo is one of the most respectful coach players I've ever been around I mean he he wants the ball because he believes he can change it at all times but Debo's not I mean I think what he said to me actually was Kyle I got you is what he said and I don't think you know and I if he's got me I'm gonna give him the ball and and that's just that's kind of how he Debo's a very good person that our team loves and he cares about everybody and that's why he's fun to watch because he does it the right way Uh, he's aggressive in everything he does but yet he's not out of control in anything because that's who he is he doesn't have to get himself real amped up for a game which some people you see play with the physicality he does I mean they're borderline blacked out on game day you can't even talk to them because they have to go to a certain level um, just to get there and Debo doesn't it's it's who he is and that's to me what allows him to play at such a physical level but to do it at a higher level um, than most people do and Uh, That's why he doesn't really call a shot much. He just inspires. Um, And he inspires me and he inspires our team. And that makes it a lot easier to call plays.
1: Kyle Shanahan taking a break from buying up land contracts and drilling for oil out west to talk about (laughs) one of the (laughs) fundamental truths of coaching. Look, he gets it. When you have players who are highly talented, who have credibility based upon their past actions. You know, it's one thing for some... End of the bench schlub to come up and say, "Hey, put me in, coach. Give me the ball." It's nothing when you got a guy who has proven that he is a badass over and over. And when he comes to you and he looks you in the eye and he says, "Give me the ball here," coach says, "I know what I got. I know what I'm looking at on my chart. Meh. Meh. I, go ahead, Debo. Give Debo the ball. Just let Debo do his thing."
2: I think that's what's cool about Shanahan and McVeigh in this matchup. Where, yeah, they're famous for their X's and O's, but. They trust their Jimmys and their Joes every now and then to just go like, wait, you know what? I'm going to a play that's going to get the ball to the guy that I know is the best player on our team, and we're just going to go down that way. We're going down throwing it with our best punch. And that's, again, I mean, what, every week we go, can Cooper Cup really get 150 yards receiving again? Oh, he does. Every week we go, can Debo Samuel really run the football and catch the He does. That's what's cool about this matchup here is they ride their stars. Shanahan is as, as in the good in the business. This is as, as far as formulating a game plan around his two or three difference makers, whether that's Kittle, Debo Samuel, or even a Brandon Ayuk, and McVay's not far off there. I mean, we saw it last week, Cooper Cup, he got some plays from Odell, uh, they know how to do that, and I think that's what makes them interesting teams. They got great defenses, and then coordinators, offensive head coaches who are amazing at dialing up plays and getting the ball to their best player. All right, Debo Samuel,
1: rushing and receiving yards on Sunday night against the Rams. The over under is
2: 95.5. Are you over? Are you under? I, I think I'm going to go over here. I am. I, and again, again it's, I, I don't know if there's a translation to what the number is to what he if they win or lose, but 95.5 against a Rams defense that we know is not the best at stopping the run all the time. It's an NFC Championship game. I would think Shanahan's going to have a few other wrinkles that maybe the Rams can't even prepare for. I do think the Rams are going to sell out to stop the run, which will might give Debo Samuel some looks in the pass game. I'm going to go over, Mike. I am. I, you know, He's I, I, just kind of unstoppable at this point.
1: Uh, I, I agree with you as well. Win or lose, they, they, they ride their stars. They, they're going to go down with a fight, and the fight is going to come from George Kittle And Debo Samuel. Period. All right. Who's going to have more passing yards, Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes in the AFC Championship? Over under for both is 290.5. The exact same over under for both. Who do you have?
2: I think I'm going to go Burrow here with this one. And, and, And not to, again, I don't think there's any correlation to the win or the loss here. I just think, you know, they got to ride Burrow in the passing game. To, to win the football game. I don't imagine them being able to run the ball a whole lot in this one. They're not a great running team. We talked about their offensive line issues. I think they'll have a hard time there. Uh, Burrow, I think, yeah, their passing game is going to be crucial. I just look, I guess, at the Chiefs as they have a few other avenues of moving the football. I know Mahomes is the man. You know uh, Him or Josh Allen are the best two players in the sport. But they also have a decent run game and a reverse from a McCole Hardman or a Tyree kill or, you know, the drive starts at the 50 because McCole Hardman returned the kick to the 50-yard line. It's a short field. It's not as long as drive to so now you don't get the yards. I'm going to go Burrow.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and I also could see a situation where the Chiefs
2: are winning you know, a build little bit. A lead yes, and exactly. the Bengals
1: have to kick it into overdrive exactly. in the passing game to try to make it interesting. Right. Most receiving yards on Championship sundry. We have uh, several to choose from. With the favorite obviously being Cooper Cup at plus two twenty. There's Jamar Chase though at plus four fifty. Tyreek Hill, what a shocker to see Tyreek Hill at six to one. But it's Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase playing that same day. Who do you like on that list?
2: I think I like Jamar Chase maybe more than any. I do. The one thing I'll throw out there just as if you want to like a value bet, I look at T Higgins and go, you know, not a a huge uh, part of the game plan the first game around was close a few times, but I would think the overcorrection to stop Jamar Chase is going to leave T. Higgins with some some favorable looks, but I think if you're going to make me bet, and I got to bet money here, I'm going with Jamar Chase. You know, the Chiefs, again, they blitz, they play a little too much man-to-man, and you can't cover this damn guy. Until I see different, I guess that would be the guy I would go with there.
1: I, you know, I, I, I look at that list, and the, the name that continues to fascinate me is the one at the bottom, Odell, Odell. Beckham Jr. Odell's right? it's the other like, one, you, too. I if if you, hear you. If you overcorrect to take away Cooper Cup, he's the guy now. He's the number two guy, and he can be counted on. And it feels like he's growing into this moment. He's never been here before. He may be ready to put on a show come Sunday. Let's take a break. We're going to draft the most important non-quarterbacks this weekend. Maybe OBJ will be one of them. Stick around to find out. More PFT Live right after this. All right, let's get right to it. Most important non-quarterbacks for the AFC and NFC championships. Sorry, trivia fans, no time for it today. Chris, you got the first pick.
2: Gosh, there's so many guys to pick from in this one. It is, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. There's, there's, I, I don't know. I don't, this is, is it weird? Is that, do I feel like there's more stars in the championship yes. game weekend than ever before? Like true stars, yes. right? Um, I'm gonna go with Aaron Donald to lead it off. I mean, I'm just gonna go there because you're on a six-game losing streak. Everybody talks about why are you losing? Oh, because the 49ers can run the ball right at this Rams defensive line. All right. Well, Aaron Donald, you and your homies up and run. It's, it's going to be on you guys. You and Sean Robinson and Gaines and Floyd and Von Miller, uh, but specifically Aaron Donald. He's got to be big time in the middle of that defense and cause some disrupt- disruption. And, and as we like to say, F the play up here uh, a whole bunch of times to slow down that 49ers rushing attack. The draft
1: is most important on quarterback. Obviously, the first four picks would all be quarterbacks if we, we allowed them into this. I'm going to go Travis Kelsey because we saw on Sunday night he's an extension of the quarterback. That ability to improvise, that that. Communication between him and Patrick Mahomes that set up the play that saved the game that put it into overtime. Oh, and then he caught the touchdown pass at the back of the end zone—a great catch that's kind of gotten overlooked in the the wizardry that happened to force overtime. But the connection between Kelsey and Mahomes. Remember, after Mahomes' first year, it's like everywhere he went, Kelsey was there. Texas Tech in the in the uh, NCAA tournament, Kelsey's there. Riding sidecar to Mahomes. Like, they share a brain that's like Gronk and Tom Brady. So, uh, if we can't go quarterbacks, let me go the next best thing. Travis Kelsey, who also, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll throw a pass in the AFC Championship.
2: I mean, yeah, who knows? You're right. I mean, damn. I mean, we, we saw Deebo Samuel throw a touchdown pass against the Rams in Week 18 that helped them win the football game. Uh, you're going to see some tricks this week, I would think, from one of these teams. I think I'm going to go with George Kittle. I want to kind of go off your Kelsey thing a little bit. George Kittle... Kind of been flying under the radar the last few weeks. Uh, I think this could be a week where you go, wait, the Rams are going to be so focused on the run game and Debo Samuel and all they do. George Kittle, I think, can play a role in this as far as off of that. And what will Shanahan have in his bag of tricks to go, oh, wait, here's the fake to Debo. Oh, no, here goes George Kittle. Watch out. You better watch out for him. Uh, I think he's got to play a role in this game because, again, I just I don't you can't go in and just think you're gonna definitely take over with Debo. Not against this defense, the way they're playing. You gotta have some other element in my opinion, uh, to, to attack this Rams unit. Jamar
1: Chase is my yeah. next pick just mm-hmm. because we talked about it at length earlier. What the Chiefs do to defend him, how they react and respond to what happened earlier this month it is weird to think that they played this month i keep looking at the schedule they did it wasn't that long ago what the chiefs did what they'll do now how the offense is going to be affected by it he's the uh the keystone the fulcrum the the something he's he's the straw that stirs the drink for that offense because how the chiefs deal with him is going to go a long way toward determining what the bengals offense does or doesn't do let's take a break round three when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. There are the first two rounds. We're into round three. Chris Sims, you're up. Most important on quarterback this weekend.
2: I'm going to go with Lou Anarumo, Anarumo from the Cincinnati Bengals, defensive coordinator. Uh, I've been really impressed. You know, one of my complaints about the Bengals during the regular season was a little simplistic on the defensive side of the ball. You know, not great to size, is a little really well coached, but just always looked at him and went, eh, I need a little more creativity or, you know, messing with the quarterbacks if you guys want to make a run in the playoffs. He's done that the last two weeks where I've been really impressed. There were some great blitzes and dropouts and things like that against the Tennessee Titans last week. He's got to find the right touch and, hey, we don't want to let the big play up But knowing when to roll the dice And go, you know what, it's time I'm going to trust a Chidobe Wuze On a Tyree kill here And I'm going to bring a blitz that might confuse them A little bit and cause a turnover I look at him
1: Last one for me, Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa, plain and simple. Got to put the heat on Matthew Stafford. Got to challenge him. Got to press him. Got to do it with your front four. No zero blitzes, Kyle Shanahan. No zero blitzes of Matthew Stafford. Hope that Nick Bosa can get to him and create some havoc. And But just watch out, Nick, because you never know when Stafford's going to kick you.
2: <laughs> you never know. You're so full of crap. That's when it. your <laughs> knee gets like jammed in, it has to go back out. He didn't kick See him, you See you, you at 5 o'clock. See Easter. ya. <laughs>